passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. As if they don't have too much on their plates. The Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wade. They talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. Rewind to SmackDown. 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 Hello and welcome to Rewind to SmackDown. I'm John Pollock and we are going to play Rewind 24 hours on this show as we do our best to bring everyone up to date on what is the most insane card WWE has ever promoted in its history, that being WrestleMania next weekend. How are you, Way? You remember uh, Dynamite this week? <laughs> no, no, that was 48 hours ago and it is but a distant memory. Holy shit, yes. Um, Although if I watch uh, SmackDown tonight, I'd be like, what are you guys talking about? It's What what, what changes? Oh, man, yeah. Uh, it, it You know, I, I feel like this will be a period that will be talked about. Obviously, you know, in real life, this will be a period that will be talked about for, for decades to come. But in wrestling, I we happen to work in a very unique field, covering a very unique sport, um, monopolized by a very unique company. That for whatever reason has chosen to, uh, you know, go on, and so um, I think a situation like this could have only been expected. Are we at the point now where the majority now understand that this? Like, why is this? No, no. The answer, the answer is no, John. I would say the answer is no. I'm sure there are plenty of people that are listening to us right now that are just like, "Oh God, how are you? Why are you guys talking about this stuff again? Why can't you just focus on wrestling? You know, you're really becoming tough to listen to." Well, please don't listen to us, everybody, because it's it's impossible to be talking about the the quality of the wrestling on the show without talking about all of this other stuff that is way more important. So shut us off, please, if you're if you have a problem with it. Goodbye. I like when Way gets to be like the the muscle on this, and I don't have to be like the jerk. I, I like when Way assumes that role every now and then because usually it's the other way around. So I'm uh, I, I'm completely co-signed with what Way is stating as well. And I'm just going to say this off the top before we get into all of these changes that I think just within WWE, it's interesting to look at how Raw and SmackDown have gone about this, and believe me. This is Vince McMahon stating, WrestleMania is happening. We are doing this. Okay. NXT, on the other hand, it's not like they are forcing this takeover to occur on some random Saturday and we're going to throw, you know, that event just out there for nothing. And I look at it this way, okay? The argument has been, well, 
all of these stories have been introduced on TV. They were set to culminate on this date. You can't just press pause and do these matches at WrestleMania in August, for instance. I would say the compromise would have been, okay, we're going through with these TV shows because we know the company is not stopping themselves from doing TV. We are going to do what NXT is doing and do these WrestleMania matches throughout the weeks on two or three weeks of Raw and SmackDown. And we're going to salvage the WrestleMania name for when we can do it properly and make all the revenue that a WrestleMania entails. And we will do that later in the year when there is a, an environment where we can host a WrestleMania. It's unfortunate that, yeah, these matches were built for WrestleMania. They're not going to take place in that setting, but these become television content and we're going to save our big event of the year for when we can do it adequately. You're saying that they should have been been doing these matches for TV rather than for this network show? Like, what's the difference between watching Edge and Randy Orton on a Sunday or a Saturday versus a Monday? It's the exact same thing. Well, they to me, that's, I think, to me, it's, the issue is the fact that they're doing matches at all in this climate. Oh, but I'm, I'm, you and I have beaten that drum before most have. And I think and, this, and this go, let me just say, this goes for WWE and AEW. And AEW does not get enough criticism, I think, when it comes to this. A lot of people give them the pass because maybe they find the wrestling more enjoyable, the show more enjoyable, but they're just, a, just as much to blame for, I think, putting people in, in, in a risky environment. I listen, you you and I have been a broken record on this. So I I don't feel like we have shied away from that at all. Um I, I don't want these matches to be happening. I want these people to be home right now. I don't think that they should be happening at all. We we have definitely said that. They are going through with this. So I would just say that like it just feels like the last forty eight hours that it's just become such a mess of what this card is going to be. And I feel that at the end of it all, people are going to ask themselves, like, was this really necessary? And to me, it's it's much less. I, I don't care about how these matches come across. I don't care about the quality. But when you are seeing you know, comments like Brie Bella's, when you're seeing, you know, somebody that was diagnosed with leukemia, it's just why? Why are we doing this? So so what is the latest, John? Let's just get into everything, okay? The biggest yeah. one uh, being Roman Reigns. So on Thursday night, uh, this was first reported by uh, Ryan Satin at Pro Wrestling Sheet, noting that Roman Reigns is out of WrestleMania, did not film his match with Bill Goldberg earlier this week for the Universal title. And in his report, he said, quote, uh, that Reigns expressed to WWE that he did not feel comfortable doing any more of the Performance Center shows during the coronavirus pandemic because he's immunocompromised from his battle with leukemia and did not want to risk his health. Um, so WWE has been quiet about this. They have not put out any statement or um, any discussion about kind of what was the timeline of this, what was um, who made the call for any of this. So um, this is come across that this was Reigns um, making the decision. Um, and, I did hear and, and from- think about that, everybody. This is Roman Reigns, you know, somebody who, from, from all accounts, is, is, is your next John Cena. He is your company man willing to do 
perhaps anything for this company. It is the day or two, whatever, before they actually tape this match, the main event of WrestleMania. Think about how much it takes somebody like him to say no. Like, this must, this, this definitely wasn't an easy decision. I'm sure it took some uh, tough thinking on his part, probably a lot of, you know, people around him telling him not to go, go ahead with it. Uh, but um, it's all to say that he probably considered this not worth the risk at all. And it has to be at least a certain level, high level of risk for him. Absolutely. Like he should not have been in this position at all um, from, from the get go. Like he has, you know, we saw him at the contract signing last week. I mean, he had been going through with this. And um, so Reigns is out. And I was told that the new match, it was taped on Thursday, as was um, either a segment or multiple segments to explain the change, which we didn't see any of tonight. I thought it would be addressed on SmackDown tonight, but uh, far from it. They were actively promoting this match as though it's happening at WrestleMania, which it is not. Um, Dave Meltzer and others have reported that the opponent is now Braun Strowman, who, you know, was at last check was not going to end up with a match at WrestleMania because after that tease with Sami Zayn, then he was kind of, um, outside of that picture, Brian, Daniel Bryan was inserted into it. So it looks like that the main title match on SmackDown is going to get either 24 or 48 hours advance notice, uh, because I imagine it's not going to be addressed till next Friday. Yeah, you would think so. So, yeah. What else? That is um, the major change. And I think that that has opened a lot of people's eyes that were kind of just looking at this as, well, they're doing a great service by providing these matches. And I think Roman Reigns has been a real eye-opener to those that maybe were not looking at this from all angles. Can we discuss the reason why Roman might have had those reservations last minute? Uh, in terms of which? In terms of some of the other absences from this from this card, namely oh. the Miz, John. Oh, yeah. So we can go, go into the other changes here. So after the Roman Reigns news, then uh, it was so Mike Johnson reported that the Miz uh was also off WrestleMania and and did not do a match. Uh, Dave Meltzer had noted that earlier this week he was sick and. Dave uh, continued on stating that The Miz was sick and alluded to some kind of issue that the Usos were upset about this and that may have had something to do with with Reigns ultimately uh, pulling himself. So let's think about this, okay? We just watched an edition of SmackDown taped last Saturday. Yes. Uh, And (laughs) featuring The Miz in the main event on commentary calling a match between the Usos and the New Day and involving himself in spots with the Usos at the end of the match. The Miz even wrestled the match the day prior on the addition of SmackDown against Heavy Machinery. So let's, I pray to God, the Miz is just, you know, has a regular cold or something like that. But in the event he doesn't, he is performing in the same ring as the Usos in the same match. And the Usos, we know, of course, will will be, you know, are traveling with Roman, are very close to Roman, or or probably very, uh, like, around Roman all day. And you've just, I mean, we're we're all coming to the realization now, and this might have had something to do with Roman Reigns' decision, that this man, immunocompromised, was (laughs) put in the the line of danger with somebody who, I I pray, is, is only, you know, 
has a common cold, but we don't know that. We don't know that right now. Well, and that's that's a scary part of this. And uh, Becky Lynch brought this up today. She was interviewed by Ariel Hawani and said that, you know, now that we're done, I'm really, you know, just concerned about, you know, making sure that all of us self-isolate now for two weeks and make sure that we don't get any symptoms because that's – I mean think about that. You're done these tapings. Now you go home and it's just the hope that no symptoms develop. Like that has to be a stressful part of all of this now that you're done the you know, the work portion of this and maybe your, your mind is more so on your work and now you're back at home and everyone involved in this should be self-isolating now for 14 days and having that concern. It's not just a concern for the individual performer, but who has that individual coming to contact with over the past several days? You know, uh, any 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 senior citizens, any uh, you know, immunocompromised people that they might have come in touch in touch with. It's it's not just as simple as one person being quarantined when it comes to a virus like this. It's it's tracing your steps back and making sure that everybody around you is okay. And I, I feel like with the numbers rising the way they are, those chances just, I don't know, I, I wouldn't be getting near an airport personally. And some of these people have to, of course. Yeah. And they have, and then they have to get in the ring with other people that have been through airports too. Yeah. Very concerning um, in just uh, so, so many different situations. So we move on. So, so, the the latest um, again. This comes from Dave Meltzer. He is reporting that uh, despite how SmackDown ended tonight, which I mean, given this show was was taped as it was, I don't know if how much they could have adjusted the. I, I'm not a big fan of the fact they just put this show forward and are advertising matches. They're actively not going to be doing, but I see it more so the Reigns one that I think absolutely should have and could have been addressed. The Miz one, I mean, the show closing moment is announcing all of this. And, I mean, they've taped all this. It's, anyway. Mm. So, um, then we go on to uh, the change on Raw. So, Andrade suffered what was described to me as a very minor injury on Raw. It's believed to be a rib injury. And it was just a case where he wasn't going to be able to be cleared within a couple of days. Um, you know, he wrestled on Monday and then would have been doing WrestleMania either Wednesday or Thursday. So Andrade has been replaced by Austin Theory, who they're calling up from NXT to team with Angel Garza against the Street Profits. So that will be the Raw tag title match at WrestleMania. Okay. And beyond that, um, the latest uh, updates I had heard was that uh, I know that there were uh, some other names out there. Um Buddy Murphy was was not in Seth Rollins' corner, so he was unavailable for WrestleMania. Um, Cesaro was in Sami Zayn's corner at WrestleMania, and Asuka is said to be fine as well. So those are, I guess, the updates. And, I mean, we'll see if there's any more, but that today it was just one after the other. So it has been just a day where your head is spinning from a lot of news dropping regarding this WrestleMania card. But I think... Sometimes we get just too wrapped up in the, you know, match changes and this and that. And I think a lot of people are just coming to the question of why is this happening? And I just really hope that none of these performers uh, end up infected because this explodes at that point. And it's what is your defense way? Like, what is the defense 
if something happens here. It's not a case of they could say, well, yeah, we were taking precautions, but it's that's not enough. Like this should not have it, – it, to me, it's just you can't do anything but claim that we took a, a calculated risk and – and we came out on the other side of this and someone is now infected. Like that to me is all you can say. There's nothing that you, you can't point and say, hey, we were given bad information. We didn't know how serious this was. We didn't think that this could be um, a, a, an environment where you can't say any of that. I think that's exactly what they would say. I mean, they, you know, I, they, they, they will say that they, they followed CDC guidelines and didn't have more than 50 people or 10 people even inside, you know, their taped arenas. Um, they took people's temperatures before letting them in, and you know uh, the knowledge of this being an, an asymptomatic, asymptomatic spreadable virus. Perhaps they would say that they didn't know at the time, but they certainly knew before Thursday. They certainly knew before Wednesday, and maybe even earlier than that. So um, they will make excuses, and the company will continue to live, to live on and survive whatever controversy that they managed to survive in the past. That's just that's just how it is. Right. Do you did you hear anything about Edge and Orton? Uh just that the their matches did take place. Okay. Great. Because that was a rumor that came out earlier. Oh, yeah, there there were some other names uh going out there. Um Dave did have an update stating Edge and Orton and Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens did happen. Okay. So um yeah, that's that's where it goes. Like everything's been taped at this point. There is nothing scheduled now until April tenth, which is the next time smackdown would be um mike johnson has said that's the next taping and it sounds like they are kind of of the granted a million things could change from now and then but they're going with the idea of if they have to be in empty arenas they'll just continue and pick up then and that would be 15 days from the last taping which was yesterday until the next one and what about new editions of nxt they have they have taped episodes of nxt like they're taped through next week and April 8th, which is the takeover matches. Okay, so they've done all that. Yes. Mm, okay. So that's where we stand on WWE. I mean, right. it's, they, they got through this schedule, and I I just I can't imagine that at the end of this all, we're going to look back on this and just look at this as one of the... <laughs> um, like a ter- I, I think a terrible decision to make this decision to go ahead in, in, in light of all of this. Even if nobody comes out of this, you know, sick, I think the worry that you're causing the families of these performers is and, and the crew that's traveling to do these shows to me, which I, I don't think it's enough attention. It, it's not like worth the, worth like it. the cause of the, the concern from those around them and and these families that are potentially at, at some kind of, of risk. course. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like Daniel Bryan is going home to quarantine away from his pregnant wife. It's. Yeah, I yeah. and he yeah, and he's only one of several people that have to go through this. Um and again, he is lucky enough that he even has a place to call quarantine because I I imagine a lot of people don't have that luxury. So yeah, it's a, a shitty situation. Let's move on and uh talk about some other uh news that is going on. This is a this is definitely connected to it. Uh, Stephanie McMahon spoke to Variety and was discussing the protocol that is in place at the Performance Center and, and what they are doing. She stated that 
At a typical event, talent is milling around. They're at catering or wherever when they're not actually in part of the show. That's not allowed now. There's extensive testing and screening when you first come in. The facility, regardless of whether you're a talent, crew member, or anyone else, working with our doctors, you have your temperature taken. If you have a temperature over 100.4 degrees, you are automatically asked to leave. If you've been out of the country or been in touch or in contact with anybody who's been out of the country, you're not allowed in the facility. We're taking every precaution we can. It's also why you don't see talent or anyone else in the audience. We really are adhering to all the guidelines that we can to maintain the health and safety of our crew and our performers. They also interviewed uh, a Variety, spoke to Dr. Thomas uh, Leviste, who said that you know taking temperatures, that's the first line of testing, but it's not foolproof because people can be asymptomatic and go undetected. So taking their temperature is not going to be a safeguard um, in totality towards this. So uh, that's at least the protocol that uh, Stephanie McMahon shared uh, with, with Variety and what they're doing. They're screening people. But again, it's um, that that's one line of de- defense. Like it's mm-hmm. ultimately like there is a level of risk involved in all of this. Yes, absolutely. And um, I I'd love to hear, you know, uh, an updated, um, I think, um, uh, an updated uh, maybe statement from somebody involved with AEW to discuss what sort of precautions they're taking, especially I think now with the knowledge that this virus can spread asymptomatically. And what are they doing to limit the chances of any of these performers from getting it? Um, you know, I, I think taking temperature... I know maybe this will sort of be a springboard to like talking about some of the changes that have been taking place in Japan, John, where several matches, several events were taking place with crowds. Uh, I felt like Japan was trying to get back on its feet. Stardom did a show. DDT mm-hmm. did a show. And some of their precautions were what? That they would take people's temperature at the door or give them mass. Was that it? Yes. And since then, shows are being canceled again because oh, shit, everybody, we brought everybody back too late. And numbers are rising again in Japan. Every Everyone is canceling right now in Japan. So it's just, we got to sit this out, everybody. We just got to sit down and just just be okay with, like, not having this shit in our lives for a little bit. And, man, I just, I don't want to see people rush through it. I don't want to see people, like, we, people still aren't taking this seriously enough. And you look at these numbers that are rising every single week. It's fucking scary. Um, and if that's not enough of a wake-up call to, like, put a halt on, you know, combat sports and contact sports and really any sort of sort of shit like this, I don't know. I don't know what really needs to happen. I, I went to a store today for the first time in a week and a half, and it was just such a different experience. Like, I had to line up outside... Like we're all separated by like several feet and then there's a person at the front door that would usher you in and then you could buy what you want. I went up to the counter to pay for it and then the person behind me in line as I'm finishing up goes to walk up. They stop them. They're like, no, they have to put – I had to put my stuff into my bag and they had to stay at a distance before they could even approach the counter. They're wearing gloves. It was like this is just a different world. That we're living in. And we have to get used to it. At we least do. for a bit. Because, I mean, what's the alternative? The, the alternative is people that are going to be way too hasty in just wanting to speed this up 
and in turn are going to slow things down and create bigger problems. Yes. All right. Um, some uh, arrest notes here. We'll start off with uh, Teddy Hart. Um, Way went over some of the details of this on the Cafe Hangout because the story was just breaking as we were on the air on Thursday. But uh, Teddy Hart was arrested. This was his third arrest this year. Uh, it was involving uh, an altercation with another independent wrestler, Ace Montana. Um, and, you know, a video had surfaced and he wrote online about, you know, what had happened here, accusing Hart of choking and physically assaulting Maria Manic, who Hart has had a relationship with in the past. And in this video, uh, Hart was denying that he had attacked her, but he was arrested. And then his arraignment took place on Friday morning. And he's been charged with strangulation resulting in uh, bodily harm. Uh, it's a class six felony, which in the state of Virginia carries a penalty of up to five years in prison. And no bond has been listed uh, for Teddy Hart. So he will next appear in court on Wednesday, April 22nd. So it's a, um, you know, um, a long line of problems that Teddy Hart is continuing to have. And this is pretty significant um and this obviously got a lot of attention because of the the nature of how this was covered yesterday and that there was a, a video circulating of, of uh teddy hart so that's the latest there john jones uh, a lot more details came out on his arrest including the uh f the footage of the uh the lapel camera that the officers had uh that has come out but just a few details here he was arrested early thursday morning uh, when a gunshot had gone off and an officer um, found Jones in his car where he smelt of alcohol. He had uh, residue on his shirt that they said was consistent with marijuana. And when he got out, he said that he had been just talking with uh, two homeless people on the street and was going stir crazy uh, being indoors. And this was the first time he had driven in in two weeks. Uh, he admitted to drinking and they put him through uh, some sobriety tests that he did not perform well on. Uh, he performed poorly on three sobriety tests, and then they gave him three alternative tests that they stated he performed poorly on two of those. There's also a moment in the dash cam – or not the dash cam, but the lapel camera footage where he admits to having short-term memory loss because he gets hit in the head for a living. Um he was not in good shape here as he was going through these tests and uh, they ended up giving him a breathalyzer where he was over twice the legal limit and then was just getting very emotional as they handcuffed him and placed him into the uh, police car and took him off. And he'll be arraigned on April the 8th in two weeks. So off the top of your head, John, do you know how many DWIs John Jones may have had? He's had two, including this one, but then that's not including like the hit and run that he had in 2015. And then there was the battery charge that he had that was not all that long ago in Albuquerque, like the, the full picture of it. It's, it was one DWI. That was the 2012 one where he smashed into a, a phone pole and then this one as well. But it's, it's, it's a, it's an awful pattern. And it's one that I just like what what kind of uh, responsibility is on the UFC? Because it's typical that they're just, hey, that's 
these guys in their own time, the law is going to deal with them, and we're kind of hands-off when it comes to this. But it, it should it be hands-off if you're the UFC here with a guy that has a clear problem, and this is something that it's recurring. Well, if this guy had a desk job at any other company and had a track record like this, would he still be employed? What are the chances of that? I don't know. It's hard to say. But but it obviously this guy's getting chance after chance because he is who he is, because he is an outstanding athlete. Uh he's a celebrity and you know, you see in the same cycle with Conor McGregor, they let their stars get away with way too much. And it sets a terrible example for everybody. Um do you blame the public for continuing to buy and pay to watch these fights? Like we love to see celebrities explode and we love to we, you know, despite everything that happened with Connor, we all still paid and went to watch his fight. So, how much of it, do, you know, does it does it rest on on all of us? Um, but I would say the UFC. I feel like this is like a bad week and a bad period at all to ex- expect any sort of like moral high ground from the UFC. Oh, so, we're, we. I don't know if you've looked at the news items uh, at the last one. We have the all timer. Oh yeah, sure. Your favorite fight promoter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's all to say that um, I don't expect it from the UFC. Um, and and honestly, like we can look at what's the responsibility of the UFC, of the public, of – how about on John Jones as well? Like let's be absolutely. honest here. Like, He's a, he has a problem. Like Number number is, one, I don't want I, – I, I wouldn't be comfortable being around this guy in a car. I certainly would not be comfortable with him owning a handgun. Like let's not even get into that. Yeah, we, I – you know, I, I – Glossed over the details. Yeah, like the there was a handgun found underneath the driver's seat. And here's a guy that is allegedly, you know, not allegedly, was twi- was over twice the legal limit behind the wheel of a car, a gun. It's like this is an awful picture. And this is not that this guy's young and immature or he's just, you know, fame has, has caught him. It's like this is a profound problem that is not going to end well. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, dude, this dude is fucked. And I just, I, you know, I feel like time and time again, he, he claims to have sorted his problems. Clearly, that's not the case. And I think some punishment really needs to come down. But I, I again, I don't expect it from the UFC at all. It's a reality of the situation. Um, uh, Brody Lee did an interview on Talk is Jericho, which was... Pretty interesting for for some of the stories. Andrew Thompson did a, a really great rundown up at postwrestling.com of some of, of the highlights. But, you know, he mentioned multiple times trying to pitch stories and ideas to Vince McMahon. And this interview was very much about, you know, Vince McMahon and this, um, I would say, non-existent relationship he has with Vince McMahon or at least a poor one. To me, it sounds like a pretty typical relationship with Vince and like, you know, talent who don't necessarily feel like they're getting their fair shake. I mean, it. It almost seems like it's a prerequisite now for anybody leaving WWE to do sort of their shoot interview with Chris Jericho. Uh, but I thought this this podcast this really- is part of the AEW contract when you sign. It's like <laughs> okay, you do Chris Jericho gets the exclusive, pretty much, yeah. But you know, it, it just like I think it just goes on to confirm again, like so many of the frustrations that prior talent have 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 you know discussed when. Uh, not getting their their due, uh, or not getting their opportunities that they feel like they're owed, um, within the WWE. I mean, you, just last week, Matt Hardy was detailing some of the same frustrations, but I felt it a lot more here with uh, uh, Brody Lee or, or Luke Harper. You know, just somebody who 
I think really hey, wanted a, his release. A, a consistent one, too, between Matt Hardy and Brody Lee. Um, Matt Hardy flat out said it, and Brody Lee pretty much alluded to it that, you know, a lot easier to deal with Paul Levesque than it was Vince McMahon. Like, oh, it's the, sure. the common is that, you know, Vince McMahon just didn't understand me. And, you know, it was Hunter that was telling him, allegedly, to that he could get him into New Japan or potentially moving him to NXT. And, um, you know, happen. Yeah, th- this has been, you know, probably an awful year for Brody Lee uh, personally, just because of, you know, just being in, in a holding pattern uh, for so long. Mentioned that they offered him, quote, ungodly money. And he you know, almost felt like he had to resign just because of the money and thinking of his family. And it was his wife that stepped in and said, you need to leave because you will be miserable staying there. And that that is quite the statement. I thought that was like the most uh, eye-opening um, uh, highlight of this interview. Certainly, certainly. Um, you know, hearing something like that, um, and that to me is like one of the effects of like doing these types of, you know, Chris Jericho podcast shoot interview type of things. Like, he talked about the when Brody Lee or when when Luke Harper posted that he had asked for his release. You remember that? That was like back when, like yeah, last year. and and Mark Carano told him you should probably take that down. Or no, um, he said you should probably take it down because Vince might rethink about it. And obviously <laughs> he knew, but like he posted it and obviously didn't get his release. Not only did he not get his release, they tacked on six months to his to his contract because of the injury. So. um you know, he talked about wanting to put that release, put that statement out there because he wanted to control his own narrative. And it's what Sean Spears did. It's it's what a, a number of people have tried to do. But he, it didn't really work then. But I would say doing a podcast like this allows him to write his own narrative because I hear stories like you know, him turning down that money and him just like you know, all of his frustrations with the Bludgeon Brothers and the fucking mallets. <laughs> Um, God, which I, I legitimately think you and I drew more money with than they did <laughs> anyway. But like, I really felt for the guy and, you know, now I find myself after hearing this interview, wanting to cheer for him, wanting him to, to be successful, not, not, not cheering for him as a baby face. I want to cheer for him to have great performances. I want this guy to realize his, his true potential that he thinks he, he should be achieving and you know it's it seems like it's it'll still be a bit of an uphill battle, obviously because of the circumstances that we're in, but also because like you're talking about a guy right now who has to refine his confidence. You know, all these guys who have been in that system for so long, beaten down, um, unsure of themselves. And to me, like Lou, Har- Lou Carper kind of finds himself in a situation right now where he has to prove to the world and to himself that he's worthy of a push. And that to me is like makes him a lot more in- interesting and compelling of a performer to watch. The last thing on this is that, you know, you, you mentioned Sean Spears, I mean, to a degree, Dustin Rhodes, Luke Harper, uh, Matt Hardy, and this is probably going to come up with, with the revival is, you know, the story. And there's definitely like a, a sympathetic um, attachment to these performers that feel like they just did not get their fair shake in WWE. And is it a positive for AEW that they can take these uh, take these projects and show what WWE missed out on? Or do you feel that there is a danger of too many of those projects in AEW that y- you don't want to go too heavy on, you know, ex WWE talent that didn't work there uh, and coming over to AEW versus like, listen, we always talk about how packed this roster is. Certainly it's a danger. You know, I think having it in too much talent period is a danger, especially, you know, if you're a growing company like AEW with a lot of talent that still haven't, like when was the last time you saw the hybrid two, John? 
you know, or like a uh, private private party. I mean, we can party. we can list off like there's just not enough time for all the acts that they have. And dark is nice, but not everyone's following dark. And that's not your prestige show. At the same time, if you're talking about an act like the revival, who I think, you know, a lot of people have been wanting to see in AEW. And I think it would fit perfectly in with that. Arn. With anybody, honestly, like them against the Bucks or any, I, I'd love to see any of those matches. I think that's something you make an exception for, you know, somebody like, like Matt Hardy, you make an exception for it. Even somebody like Brody Lee, I think you make an exception for in the end, you know, I think it comes down to how good these guys are, whether or not they can earn their spot uh, amongst this roster. And if the answer is yes, then I think they, the fans would be happy to see it. Um, and then uh, one other interview t- from today, I mentioned the Becky Lynch one, uh, not not a whole lot uh, to dive into there, but she did mention the fact that she believes her match with Shayna Baszler will be on night one, which would be the Saturday. And in a really great note, uh, we remember that episode of 24 where she talked about her father being diagnosed with lung cancer. The cancer's completely gone. The one good piece of news. Yes, we have today. Thank I you. thought that was just like the greatest thing when I, I was listening to this interview today and she just mentioned that it was maybe it's just like the overall like news cycle. I was just so happy to hear that today. It's just like, yeah, what, what a great piece of news. Uh, John, I, I've been I've been following, you know, uh, cat cat gif dog gif Twitter accounts, Reddit just to kind of wash my 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 brain away and my eyes away of like. All the all the shitty news that that we constantly get today, and you know it's it's a good reminder, everybody. Sometimes too much news is is not healthy, but you know do stay informed, and we have a responsibility to comment on these things. Um, I don't mean to bum anybody out, but sometimes we have to get serious, and um, you know it's going to come with with covering this type of show. Do you have it in you to hear some well quote unquote highlights? From Dana White's latest tirade. I feel like I've already seen him, but yeah, yeah, please. Let's indulge everybody. Okay, this, his latest interview was with Dan Wetzel at Yahoo Sports. And here are just a, a few of the quotes from Dana in this, in this interview. Listen, there's people I care about what they think of me. My employees, my family, my friends, the rest of the people. I don't give a expletive what you think of me. He goes on to say, One thing I do know is I'm not wrong. I know I'm right. I know it's the right thing to do. And then when they're discussing, uh, you know, the threats of the coronavirus, I promise you this. I am going to die someday. I don't know how. I don't know from what. But if it's the coronavirus, then what am I going to do? Let's do it. Come on, coronavirus. (laughs) Dude, it's just it's parody at this point. How long are we going to hide? Are we going to hide for months? Are we going to shut down the whole world for months? It's crazy. Fuck. Oh, Oh, he is going out of his mind. He's like, my house is built for this. And financially, I am okay too, which I know that will settle a lot of people's anxiety to know Dana White is going to make it through this financially. So then how about this? Sorry to to cut your your Dana quote. Dana. Chain trade places with the guy on the undercard that you're 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 set to have fight for you. You know, change houses with that guy. Uh, give your give your pool up. Give your guest house to that guy. House that guy for uh, six months after this fight, and switch places with him so that you know what he's fighting for, and that 
he needs to have this fight because such and such and whatever and all the risks he's putting his whole family through like talk about privilege man like that's just it's fucking sickening Uh, yes you're willing to die wow how brave of you you're such a rebel but it's just the the selfishness of not even realizing that putting it's one thing to put your own life at risk but you're in doing that you're putting several other people that you're ever going to come into contact with at risk too will you say the same thing for your children you know i know you're willing to die dana but can your child say the same or whatever an, an immunocompromised person that you come into contact with can that person say the same people st- like fail to realize that this this isn't a, an issue just about themselves every single person who puts themselves at risk puts many other people at risk too so Anyway, I just can't believe it for somebody who like is supposed to be so rich and and so successful and so smart. Like, how can he sound so dumb in public? He's never come off as awful to me as as this period. And th- and there have been some you know some blemishes to say the least in in his history. But this is really bad. Like, can you just imagine? Way just uh, this is like not even comparable to uh, an MMA fight. If you had to get ready for a jujitsu competition in three weeks' time. What would you do right now to get ready for a jujitsu competition? Well, okay, fuck that I wouldn't. Even, no- I wouldn't be training right now. I wouldn't have a place to train. Number one, because I, I would hope all jujitsu schools in affected areas are closed right now. Uh, and secondly, I, I would be in zero mood to train. I'd probably be shrimping in my in my backyard. Or this something. is what all these fighters are going through right now. Probably having minimal, if any, access to a gym. Uh, worried about: Am I going to get paid? Um, and you know, that's, that's their, that's their vested interest in seeing these fights happen because it's the only way they're going to be able to make money here during the, during this time period. But as Dana says, people need some normalcy again. We need somebody to be the first guy to step forward and say, come on guys, let's snap back and get going. It's happening. White promised. If you want to watch it, watch it. If you don't, don't. I'm not going to watch it. So there you go. That's all of your news, everybody. You can go to postwrestling.com for all the latest as we dive into Friday Night SmackDown. What a show this was. Yeah, yeah. At this point, we uh, we say goodbye to our free feed. Uh, again, um, news or, or you know anything concerning like all of this shit, we're always going to uh, put outside of the paywall. We're going to get to the review of the show itself for our patrons. So if you choose to uh, stick around, um, welcome. Yeah. Why don't we mention, as we say goodbye to the people listening uh, free, we will be back Sunday night. We're doing a bonus show. We were initially going to do a double shot. We have changed it around, and we are going to be doing a show welcoming three guests on. And this will be available for everybody. We're going to have Dr. Alex Patel returning for an update and the the latest. So uh, even if you want to send in some questions, uh, we can take those as well. Marcus Vanderberg from Yahoo Sports is going to be joining us and – Brandon Thurston from WrestleNomics as well will be talking about, to me, like three distinct elements to all of this. Like the most important is the the health concerns and questions that a lot of people have that we'll have for Alex Patel. We're going to look at kind of the financial ramifications of this with, with Brandon in regards to WWE and what WrestleMania means. And then we'll also be talking about kind of the long term of this. What does WrestleMania look next year? And it's going to be happening in uh, Inglewood, California next year, uh, right in Marcus Vandenberg country. So uh, we'll be chatting with those three guests that I'm looking forward to having on Sunday night.
Yeah, me too. Uh, to me, three very important perspectives that I'm looking forward to to discussing and uh, looking forward to everybody hearing from.